On today's episode, we learn from an elite performance marketing expert that has worked on paid social media buying on Facebook, Instagram, and Snap for over 100 direct-to-consumer brands. You don't want to miss this episode. It's fire. Retail and e-commerce have witnessed an unprecedented transformation in the last decade. The widespread adoption of mobile technology, social media, as well as the lowered cost of cloud-based technology have not only eroded the barriers to entry in retail, but it's also led to the rapid rise and dominance of digital native product brands that sell directly to their customers. On this podcast, you'll get the scoop on customer acquisition and retention strategies employed by high-growth digital-native product brands. Not being afraid to spend because you know that customer is going to pay it back uh, three or four-fold. That's when you start to unlock channels in the way that they were meant to be used. And- Listen to interviews with experts at the forefront of technology and, and innovation in digital retail. Three years ago, they wouldn't have come to us because, yeah, the macro trend of cloud, Wi-Fi, broadband availability, that was a real, that was a real problem. Hear firsthand stories from founders of innovative direct-to-consumer brands. Although I was thinking about the competition, I was more thinking about, like, how do I just build a freaking successful business? We focus on driving as much traffic as possible, converting that traffic, uh, and then dumping money back into driving more traffic. These insights will help you consistently 2x growth in specific areas of your direct-to-consumer brand. This is the 2x e-commerce podcast, hosted by Kunle Campbell. Hi guys, before you listen to this episode and you hear from our sponsors, Clavio and Rewind Backups, I just wanted to say, remember to join our Facebook group. Just search for 2X e-commerce on Facebook and then just hover over to the groups tab and you will find us. It's called the e-commerce growth accelerator. I might be changing the name soon, but for now it's called the e-commerce growth accelerator. Jump in there connect with people. People are starting to connect, you know, people are listening to the show and jumping on there. We're about 500 strong, almost 500 strong. Let's push this group. Let's push it together. I'm not about like the numbers per se. I'm more about the engagement. So let's go there. If you are a founder, if you're in marketing and core ethos is if you're interested in direct to consumer retail, e-commerce, digital native retail, just come and jump in there. We want to know more about you. Nick, today you don't want to miss this episode. It's over one hour long and there's a reason he just goes into detail. And um, yeah, you if you're into Facebook and you, you know, you, you really want to learn on the entry cases or Facebook media buying, Nick just dropped, he dropped a lot of bombs here. So um, enjoy. And um, I'm just going to tune you in to hear from our sponsors. Cheers. What do sophisticated direct-to-consumer brands like Colourpop, Hawkberry and Custom Inc. all have in common? Well, they rely on Klaviyo, the growth marketing platform that powers over 25,000 online businesses. Clavio is supported by a dedicated team of experts and it is a platform that processes and consumes more data than any other in the market. Clavio helps you own customer experience and grow high value customer relationships. Right from shopper's first impressions to each subsequent purchase, Clavio will understand 
every single customer interaction and empowers brands to create more personalized marketing moments. When you have a 360 view on customers, the growth possibilities are endless. Visit Clavio.com forward slash 2x to get Clavio's holiday planning guide. Remember, that is Clavio.com forward slash 2x. Let's take a quick break to talk about screwing up. Accidents happen. Perhaps you installed an app that messed up your theme or a CSV import completely messed up your product catalog. Common myth, cloud-based e-commerce platforms like Shopify and BigCommerce have automatic backup solutions you can use when something goes wrong with your store. This is simply untrue. They don't. Myth busted. So what do you do? You use Rewind. Rewind will protect Shopify and BigCommerce stores with automatic backups. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, or collaborators gone bad. It's like having your very own magic undo button. Rewind is trusted by over 25,000 businesses from side hustles to the biggest retail brands you can think of. Gymshark, Movement Watches, and Pampers all use Rewind for automatic backups. So here's the deal for 2Xs. If you head over to rewind.io, which is R-E-W-I-N-D.io, install Rewind, you'll get to use it for free for seven days. If you reach out to the Rewind team and mention the 2X e-commerce podcast, then extend your seven-day trial for a full month for free. Enjoy peace of mind with Rewind Backups. Remember to head over to Rewind.io and don't forget to mention the 2X e-commerce podcast for a full month trial. Hi guys, welcome, welcome, welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show. Um, this is a podcast dedicated to rapid growth in online retail. Now today's guest, I have been following Nick Shackleford for about, um, I've, I've just said his name, um, for about three years I think. And um, he was one, him along with Deepesh, along with Tim Bird. Those are like three major names that um, come up in my Facebook advertising journey. Um, when I first started three and a half years ago, I've, I've had a background in other things in digital marketing. But when these guys started to show the potential of Facebook advertising and what they had done, you know, I stopped looking at it from a secondary level and, you know, started to really focus on the results. And um, yeah, I've been just following him. I He's run um, courses on iStack. If you're aware of that platform, he's just recently did one for founder. One of the, the, um, the banners I shared in the Facebook group, you know, had the the founder, you know, um, banner for, for for what he's done. He spent over eighty million dollars in in ad spend. He's worked for um, the corporates from Apple, and now he's focused on direct. He's been focused on direct consumer for a few years now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's an absolute pleasure to to have you on, Nick. Welcome. Man, what an introduction. It's, you mentioned those two names, and it's funny because not many people know this, but I actually, I worked for Tim. That's, that's where I, I got a lot of my wings from it because uh, I would say I've, I've been doing this for about six and a half years, and I, the 
the following and the respect in the industry for yourself is is very mutual, brother. Kuno, you are you are a force to be reckoned with, and the reach and then the, the the conversations that you have with very very powerful people. I'm very blessed to be one of the few in here. Like we have a mutual friend in Josh Snow, right? Josh is yes, Josh, absolute rocket ship. Absolute rocket ship. Absolutely, absolutely. And we're going to talk about him. He's he's a member of, of our of our Facebook group, and he's just he's he's blown. He's he's doing amazing things. And for you to be part of his ecosystem, um, Facebook is. Last time he's, he's, he he was talking, um, I think it's about forty percent of total revenue. And we're talking about, you know, um, the fact that he has retail. They they have retail distribution, you know, and affiliates and, and the like. So Facebook is a fundamental part of Snow. Yep. And you're heading that, you're managing that. Um, so there's a lot to, to go through um, now. Um, so where, where do we start? Do you want to give a brief introduction? You said you've sure. been in this for like six years and, and then we'll, we'll jump in with, with, with brilliant questions. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll, I'll clear that up on, on Josh too. Josh and I, now we're, now we're just great friends. Now we're just okay. brothers because of, you get to a point and I'll touch on it when we get closer to it. But you mentioned I'm, I've been doing this for six and a half years in the background, like most of us that uh, find ourselves in, in performance marketing, don't start there. Um, I actually was playing professional soccer. I'd, I'd signed my dream contract uh, for the Los Angeles Galaxy when I was just out of uni uh, in 20, 2015. So 2013 to 2015. So you, you my, might have missed David Beckham then. So I had, I had, but I had Keen and I had, uh, and uh, David did come back just to kind of rally the troops. But I remember my mom was joking. Uh, my mom had him always plastered on the refrigerator. Like most women do uh, yes. <laughs> plastered on the refrigerator. And she, she, one day I told her mom Beckham Beckham's in the arena. He's at the, at the time it was home Depot center stuff, stuff up center. And she's like, can you please follow him around? So I'm running around trying to take a picture. Never ended up finding it, but my mom was very thankful that I was able to do that. Uh, it cracks me up. But he's, I, he's an icon here. He's, he's a national icon. He's, he's a legend. Absolutely. Yeah. Him, uh, I had Robbie Keane and I had Steven Gerrard. So those two, arguably very, very important as well. Yeah. 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 But as soon as I transitioned, you, I think it's sometimes when you grow up, you, you realize like, okay, this is what I'm going to do for my life. And this is all, uh, this is what I was made out to do. And this is what I was I, skilled at. I, I want to just flesh that soccer bit out because it might reveal a few other things in, in what you're doing and how you're doing things now. Certainly. Now, obviously the main sports, you know, from Gary Vee and just American culture, baseball, football, basketball, right. um, and American football. Um, so why your choice of soccer well, football from, from our perspective, why? Yeah. So that's a great question. So I'm born and raised in Orange County, California. Mm -hmm. And so in, in California, where I'm currently at right now, you have uh, many races and you have many opportunities, right? So it's sunny year round. Mm -hmm. um, my, my sister who is three years older, uh, she went into soccer specifically. Mm -hmm. And I was, I, I couldn't play baseball. It was too slow for me. Uh, I was just standing there and, and, only one person got to play either you're either batting or you're pitching. Those are the only two dudes that get to play. And I realized, listen, I, I have an innate, an innate ability that's pretty fearless. Uh, and I found myself playing soccer because I was able to run into kids, get all this energy out. Um, and my mom kept me there. So as we grew up, I started realizing if you wanted to be on a really good sports team, really good soccer team, specifically in soccer, you need to have a lot of Hispanics on that team. Mm. Well, 
at that time I was newest and I was usually the only white guy on that entire team. And so they did the only position that the other team, the other teammates didn't want to play was goalkeeper. So they put me in the net. So I was always the goalkeeper and that was the only way I was able to be a starter. Mm. So instead of playing football, instead of playing soccer or instead of playing uh, basketball or baseball, I found my, my, my stride within soccer pun intended. And that is, that's probably been the best decision I've ever made because as a goalkeeper, you have two things. You either win it or you lose it. Mm-hmm. That's, and the, all the shoulders, and I, I, I make this joke often, but I feel like the Lord has blessed me with such broad shoulders mm-hmm. because I've been able to see the field, coach the team, and this has followed me along in, in all the teams I've been a part of, honestly, mm-hmm. where I even am today with my team of 20. So how do you carry over your learnings from, from soccer to, to, to media buying, to, to e-commerce and direct-to-consumer commerce? Absolutely. So I, right when I left, so I, as soon as I graduated from St. Louis, um, then I was starting to try to earn a professional contract. I realized very quickly, and this is a, a coach named uh, Kurt. Kurt was the second team leading coach of the Galaxy. He told me, Shaq, uh, you're a really good locker room guy. And I was like, what? I, and I didn't really understand what that meant for a very long time. And then I started looking at my history um, from club ball to, to, early college days and then right into the professionals, a locker, essentially a locker room guy is someone that could set the tone, keep everybody happy and push motivation. Okay. That's what a locker room guy is. He might not be the number one starter, but they like him being around because of the energy, because of the, the camaraderie. He's like a pacer in, in, mar- in a marathon. Right. Right. And you're not, you might not be the number one. And I, and I realized real quick, like, where's your ceiling. Right. Mm-hmm. And before I got to galaxy, I went into a really, really difficult, uh, what would you say? Learning experience by you could be the a right player on the wrong team. Mm-hmm. And I realized like, Oh, okay. I, at the first university at Cal Berkeley, I was like, I'm very good, but I don't fit into the system. And mm-hmm learning and growing up in a different, whether it's a media buying team, whether it's a, whether it's an agency, whether it's the team that we build currently, if you are a very good player, but you don't work within the system, mm. you're not going to thrive. Like you're, you're not going to do what you set out to do. You're not going to do what they think you're going to do. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I found, out, I found out very early at the galaxy that I, that what they needed was not what I was able to provide, but yeah. the skills that I had in building a team and building support and confidence in myself was something that I had to take with me. Team building, straight up. Okay. And I'm, I'm going to ask you a question around um, team structures for like some of the best campaigns you've worked in. And so yep. we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. So you started out your career in, so, so when, when um, so, so after soccer, yep. what happened? Right away. So 20, it's kind of was a chase of finances. So I've been with my old lady for, for about 10 years now. And we, mm-hmm. we started doing long distance and she, I have the opportunity to, as all, as all young professionals, you can go chase contracts. You can go find the team that will sign you. And the only other offer I had was in Minnesota. Brother, I'm, I'm a California kid. I love the sun. Like I might be in, I might be in hoodies all the time, but I love the sun. Mm-hmm. And so she goes, babe, like you can't go, you can't leave. And if I do leave, um, that's no longer, or there's no longer an us. And so oh, the, sure. the next opportunity I had was I was coaching uh, anywhere I can get a buck. And one, one mother, her name was Rachel Puepke. She was the CMO of consumer products at PepsiCo. So you have Pepsi and you have PepsiCo, right? Yeah. In Lake Forest, where I'm at in North California, I was able to sit in the meetings with very, very well-off Pepsi executives that work on, we call it, you have the bottle service, bot, uh, bottle industry and you have the syrup industry. The syrup is the one that goes to the restaurants. 
So I was sitting in these conversations talking organic Facebook. I was, I'm, I'm 29. I'm a 90s kid, truly. And they were listening to the suggestions and the facts that I was dropping about what was happening on social media at the time. Mm. I, 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 I guarantee you that I was sitting in a position where I should not have been. But for whatever reason, the microphone was right in front of me and I was just using it. Opportunity, opportunity, right? Preparation, exactly. Yeah. Amen. And at that time, right when I was transitioning out, I had my first dabble, I would say, dip the toe in of selling goalkeeper gloves to my friends. That was like early Instagram, early influencers. Like, hey, can I give you my goalie gloves? I have them right here behind me. Um, and so that that gave me interesting perspective of like, oh, things are happening online. Mm. So, so with the goalie gloves, did you, did you make them yourselves? What, what was the deal with, with, with the goalie gloves? Yeah, what, what I found out as soon as I jumped in the industry was Nike, Adidas, Roish, uh, Cells, all these like top, top end latex manufacturers, mm-hmm. they, they were getting it done in Pakistan and they're getting it done. Some are doing it in China, but we were able to find the same exact manufacturer and it's, it's latex thickness, two millimeter, three millimeter, four millimeter, rolled finger, flat finger. And we, we just like focused, our brand was, is, is still called Keep Air. We were focused on how do we get this product as, as efficient as possible. And the sewing ability in Pakistan was much better than other countries. So that is where I learned all of my, all of my goalkeeping and my, my latex, more, more latex knowledge than I really need to know. <laughs> well, what's the name of the brand? Keep Air. Keep air, it's K-E-E-P, like keeper, and then Dennis, my partner, A-E-R-E. Okay, okay, okay. Very minimal, very clean. Um, I do love, I do, that's that's probably my favorite product we sold. But Rachel, Rachel gave me the opportunity to to speak to someone and and get opinions on large social media campaigns, or this is where I actually saw my first limiting factor belief uh, destroyed. Because, so my mother works at the front office in a dental uh, dental facility. My dad is uh, is an air conditioning uh, HVAC kind of guy, and mm-hmm. so I was destined. Honestly, I had maybe a career of like fifty to sixty thousand dollar salary. Right, mm-hmm. like that's I was going that way. We never really were, um, although living in Orange County, like it's it's a it's a more well off area. But you can be not well off in a well off area, which makes it seem much worse than it really is. If yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 So, so how did you overcome your, your limit? That, that, that's a huge mountain to, 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 to cross over right in front of you and, you know, very few make it to the top and then come to the other side, you know, um, in, in one piece. So, so how did you in the, in the corridors of, you know, corporate America, we're talking, you know, PepsiCo, we can't get any bigger than that. You know, these are, um, you know, um, we don't call them footsie. These are um, Fortune 500 companies. How how did you you know gain that confidence to say, okay, this is my path. This this is this is where I want to go. Honestly, I think I think I still live with a little bit of like that imposter syndrome because mm-hmm. us as like us as media buyers, the transition of like how did soccer help media buying? Well, mm-hmm. in, in soccer professionalism, you're only as good as your last game. Like mm-hmm. you, you can only go back to like your highlight. For us, it's like you're only as good as your last campaign. Right, like you're only as good as your last campaign. How did you scale? How did you uh, set the budgets up? How did you strategize it? Right. So yeah. at that time, I realized I'm only as good as my last presentation because I wasn't running the campaigns at that point. Mm-hmm. So I was having to to pitch or or go alongside creative agencies to support on the PepsiCo side. And what ended up happening, the real limiting belief was like I once I started seeing dollars spent in the millions on Facebook which would took me to right next to Apple was where I started going, okay, 
there's a lot of money here and like, why not us? Like, why not me? Why not now? All right, cool. What happened? So why why did you move to Apple and what happened in Apple? Okay, so at at PepsiCo, the issue was that we were only working on organic campaigns or like page uh, page content. Uh, And at that time, I was knowing like, well, there's there's a paid side. Like there's an ads manager that we need to get into. Mm -hmm. Rachel's Rachel's niece, uh, Alison Fulleron, was leading Apple uh, paid social in 2017, uh, 2016, 2017. And she was needing a team of media buyers. Okay. That, that was the time when they started making a large digital push to, uh, and we were a part of the iPad pro, the iPhone, uh, the iPhone seven launch and, uh, the, the iWatch launch. Those okay. were the campaigns where we're sitting there making up Impressions, and that you, I know you've been on the platform for a long time. You used to be able to do reach and frequency buys per country, and start choosing like how to hit everybody there. Yeah. So we were. This is when I started looking at like, okay, we're we're building campaigns to end of this time just for Apple. We're we're only distributing uh, views. So they would take the TV spot off, and this was uh, my second venture into corporate America, hardcore corporate America. Uh, yep. Still agency, still agency structure. I learned that if you are going to spend that much money, like why not have a return? They didn't care. It was awareness. Yeah. (laughs) Reach. They literally told me, okay, so Shaq, you're in charge of EMEA and you have a little bit of a, a little bit of APAC. Um, We need to make sure every campaign goes live that you hit at least the same person three times. So we're, we're talking. It's like TV advertising rating. Yeah. The same, the same mindsets of TV. Yeah. Blew my mind. Yeah. So I I spent, I I lasted a year with Apple and those learning that platform for them was very different. Enter in. Did did it uh, feel like driving a formula one car? Like, like a, you know, um, was it, was it very advanced um, in terms of like, did you use, were you straight in ad, ads manager or did they need you to, to use a third party tool to manage, you know, millions of, of ad spend? So we had Sprinkler was the tool that we had, which okay. was a large enterprise software. Okay. Before we had Sprinkler, we were using exports from, so our, our team was in office at Twitter, in office at Facebook. And at the time, uh, Snap obviously wasn't there, but we were yeah. doing all of our campaigns on, on media uploads. So it'd be like large media buys to make sure that we were able to get into it. So we were doing a lot of Excel up, uh, upload sheets, ex- export and import. And so we weren't even building necessary campaigns there. We would load creative mm. and then we'd come back and start building all of our targeting into an Excel sheet. Me and two other person, it was me, uh, Nick Marr and Alizon. We were sitting there uploading sheets. It wasn't media buying. It was just mass distribution of ideas. I see. And, and, and was the creatives built specifically for digital or did they just take um, creatives from, from, from their other media campaigns, TV, from traditional and just dump it in, in digital? Do they have a different, different digital um, strategy? No, you said it. They literally were chopping whatever ran on TV. They repurposed for, which is, which is, what do you expect, right? They're going to spend the millions of dollars on these campaigns. They might as well get extra distribution on it. And it was, it was unbelievable to be a part of. The second you realize like, okay, these dollars that you're spending doesn't really matter. Like my impact on the actual campaign, what is it? It's nominal, right? Like at that point we were, truly a cog, truly a cog for my most iconic brand. Like I'm Apple, everything from iPhone to iPod to uh, iPad to the okay. computer we're using. It's my favorite. Yeah. So we, I realized real quick, like this was another notch in the belt check. Like, okay, Shaq, 
well done, brother. Keep moving on. Um, my best friend, and this is probably what I'm, what really, really changed it for me. He brought the fidget spinner to me. This was number one way I started realizing how to make my money, how to make money. 2017 or 2018? Uh, should be 2017. 17, yeah. We, this would be the first we launched. This was our store, yeah. um, the store bought one. So Fidgetly was the actual brand name. Okay. This is what, 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 what happened is Jake Schmidt, my partner, I knew Facebook. He knew, he knew like scrappy digital marketing. Uh, he went influencer route. He goes, this is gonna be big. I was like, what is this? It's, it's a spinning toy. This makes no sense. It's the same, the same way a yo-yo took off. The fidget spinner took off yeah. the same exact thing. Same yeah. exact understanding. The only difference is we were buying it for two bucks, selling it for 35. Whoa. So we, we, we sit there and even on, I think on the top of my LinkedIn is this was the day I realized two things. One, money can be made at any time, anywhere with any idea. And two, I will never do customer service and product development. Mm. Why? Why? <laughs> yeah, I, knew, I was like, there it comes. So growing a business. And I think, I think you could probably relate to this as well. Yeah. You, you end up, you end up loving two aspects, right? You end up loving building the structure of the company end up build, uh, loving the, the organization or you love scaling it scaling. and figuring out the online part, online part, right? Yeah. That is where I found myself. Jake goes product development and organization. I go marketing strategy. Yeah. So when I sit here, I go, customer okay. services. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's necessary, but that's where all the, you know, complaints occur. It's, it's backside of the business, you know, um, literally, um, yeah, metaphorically rather. No, and think about it. when you're selling fidget spinners to 14 year olds and 13 year olds there, you're not, you're not getting general queries about why my product doesn't work. You're going like, how come it doesn't spin faster? Mm-hmm. Um, how come it makes this noise? Uh, it, can you imagine, like you can only imagine, and unfortunately or fortunately, we used a couple of angles to scale that weren't uh, at the time. In, in hindsight, I understand why it was something you should not have said, but we were saying this product will cure your ADHD. Well, okay. This product will cure your ADD. And so you, you turned it to a painkiller straight up. <laughs> <laughs> and and this, is, this is me going like, how do I research digital marketing? What was working? Uh, this was like acai berry. This was like supplement selling. The, 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 the digital marketing true guys that were scaling across of claims. Right. And I thought this was the right thing or right way to go. Cause I was very new and in, into this performance marketing world. And was it worldwide or was it the U S the fidget spinner? No. So we were retail U S but the, I think the trend affected worldwide. I think this was probably the largest trend in the world at that time. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, right. I remember my son saying, daddy, I need a fidget spinner. He was what he was in, um, he was in elementary school or something. Um, he was in primary school, but, um, yeah, he was like, daddy, I have to absolutely get a fidget. And we, you know, we eventually got it for him, but like, it was like, a re- it just, it was like a storm really. Um, as fast really. as it came is, is as fast as it left. Bad. Um, yeah, just despaired. Right. So, cool. Yeah. I'm just reminiscing on that. That was, that was, that was the beginning. So that, that led me to realize two things. One, I love being uh, performance marketing and two, I needed to see if I can do it again. That, that was the beginning of like, did I get lucky or do I actually have some skills in this? Mm-hmm. Um, enter in Tim Bird. 
enter in. So in, in Orange County, Tim, Tim lives in Irvine. I think he's in Newport Beach, San Diego area now. Uh, and he at the time posted an ad buyers group and he used to do this quiz. He used to post a quiz that said, uh, we're, we're looking to hire, take this Facebook media buying quiz. Uh, if you pass X message me, um, I passed it. I forgot what I got. Uh, and he goes, Hey, Hey Nick, uh, come into my office. Like, let's talk. Let's see what you got. So I remember walking into his office at the time. There was like two other media buyers, Alex, John, and uh, one that left right before me. His name is Dennis. And I go in and I show them my campaigns. And the two things that he says right away is like, okay, you understand naming conventions and structure. And two, uh, you understand the difference between cold and hot traffic. It's like, cool. Like, sit down. Let's see if we can do more of this. Okay. At that t- like think about it when you, when you log into an account or you do an audit or you look through a brand, the first thing you say to yourself is they, they have no segmentation. They have no exclusions. They have no understanding of top, middle, bottom. And you're just going down the list. Like that's us knowing how many reps, right? Mm -hmm. I I looked at this as an opportunity because even when people ask me today, like how, how, how should I get started? Like where, where do I get clients? What do I do? I don't say work for free, but I say work for free for a period of time or join an agency because you just get exposed to every single industry, every single opportunity, every single business model. Mm -hmm. I believe in this so wholeheartedly that I did that for, for three people that I truly love three Mm -hmm. people that gave me the, the, the opportunity first, Rachel and Alison underneath the Pepsi and Apple structure. I consider them the same because they're very close to each other and they were same family, same methodology. Mm -hmm. Then we go to Tim, Tim, what, what, what people don't realize about him is he gets so inundated with messages and people asking him for help and assistance that he literally could spend hours. And I remember I see him, he's got a widescreen computer and across the bottom is, is a uh, Facebook message conversations, hundreds, hundreds. So he's just responding back to us. I remember we, we'd have our strategy sessions and give me the, Hey, try a, B and C we'd launch it, report back, launch it, report back. And that's how we were aggregating info. Okay, can I ask a question? Um, so f- pre-Tim with the fidget spinners, what kind of spend, what, what was the spend and what was the return and what happened to the business So when you realized that, did, did you close the business because the trend, you know, had passed? Good question. So it's, it's, it's not my favorite topic to talk about, but it's important. It's really mm-hmm. important. So if I'm looking into, I literally have the ad account open right now. Oh, wow. Well. We spent, and this is, Dan, this is pulling me back to uh, 2017, 2016, yeah. 242,000. Yeah. 4X. 4X, oh, well, okay. 4X. Million, straight up, okay. We were, having, we were having conversions for $6, $2, $5, the good days. Okay. <laughs> These are the good days. Yeah, yeah. What happened, what happened... Work. Yeah. And then for you was, was, was 30, was, was $30, $35 your, and I guess yeah. people were buying more than, you know, one fidget spinner. They were, because if you, yeah. even if you look at the Wayback Machine or archive.org uh, under Fidgetly, we were selling them for, I think at our highest was 35 and our lowest it stayed at 27. It never changed because they were flying off the, you couldn't get, you couldn't get them anymore. The number one thing that really affected us was in our inability to understand what Chinese New Year meant was we wow. we didn't we didn't know how or what the cutoffs were because we're new. We found Alibaba from Alibaba. Uh, Jake hunted down to get the direct what we thought was the direct distributor or the manufacturer. More middlemen than I knew 
existed at this time. Um, and again, it goes back to the reasons why I hate doing product development or research or trading or, companies. <laughs> oh my gosh. So he, he dealt with all this and what we knew that we needed was we knew how to sell and make more of these and we know how to create content. What we didn't have was a financial backing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I live in, I live in Orange County. So LA was close. Jake was in Missouri at the time. Jake flew to LA. We met with um, an individual that was partnering with us and going to give us the financial access to buy more inventory and support it. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that ended up being my first uh, very poor decision because I ended up not understanding how cap tables work or equity distributions or. So, so was uh, it debt finance or was it equity? It was equity. Okay. It was straight equity. Um, okay. This is, this is something that I, I think was a good learning process at that time. Remember, I'm coming from professional soccer and mm-hmm. junior corporate America, right? I, I don't know this, these plays. Yeah. Jake, Jake was 22, 21 at the time. Um, it, we didn't know. So we, we realized real quick that we just are now an employee of our own company, of a, of a worldwide trend that we are at the leading edge of. And the individual that we elected to put in charge or navigate us pushed us into a direction that was a part of his agenda. That agenda. Check what did he have? Uh, he had fifty-two percent, which arch controlling. Okay, absolutely. Which took away everything. So, and his argument was, I need more so that I can give up some to get the financing. Well, what we realized was like, oh, that makes logical sense. But now it's if he's giving, if he's got more and he gives it to the partner that he has, now they both have more than us. Exactly. So, we, harsh, harsh lesson to learn. Okay, and then you you were looking for a new beginning with Tim. Yeah, I, I was looking at two things. I was looking at can I do this again? And if I can do it again, who can I do it for? What Tim allowed me, which I believe everybody that joins our teams is they have the ability to shine on multiple businesses and multiple channels mm. with Tim. I knew how to just media buy straight media buy. Mm. Then when we, when he entered, uh, when I entered into his team, we had the ability to make our own pages, uh, design all of our own creative choose the clients we want to work with because at the time or even now, I mean, Facebook ad buyers group, if you're with the admin and the owner of the entire group, the deal flow doesn't stop. Insane. You're going to get the, you're going to get the first hit or first bite of the apple every single time. Mm-hmm. So we, I, I met, there's a couple of clients I actually still work with uh, that I first met back in then, but this is when I learned drop shipping, mm-hmm. viral product launches, yeah. same mindset, right? Same mindset of, of fidget spinners, grow as fast as you can. And, and all of a sudden, like your relationship with money, you realize it's like a game. So I, I, I went through that drop shipping phase, did like seven figures and um, yeah, just the, you, it's numbers, you, you know, the spend, like how you just, you know, um, talked about 240,000, you know, dollars spend. I know you spent a lot more, you know, at Tim's place, but it's just all of a sudden it's numbers, return, CPA, how, you know, um, when did it become fully normal to you to, to manage those numbers and, you know, just manage campaigns? So it, it wasn't, I, I still don't think it's normal, honestly. No, <laughs> no, no individual, no individual should have this much money at their, at their fingertips at any time. And I actually, my limiting belief of finances, we've, we, I've always had an, an issue related to, to money or requesting money or, or, or evaluating my, my, my worth towards money. And when I got with Apple, Apple was when I realized money, it was infinite because every dollar we spent was in the millions, whether it worked or didn't, you didn't have to, you didn't have to perform or, or give them a return. Physically it was the first, <laughs> Oh yeah. Like we have more, we have too much. 
digitally it was our money. And so like, that was really sensitive and it was every day to day, like really hurt. But if you were to ask me like Shaq, what, what makes a good media buyer, a good media buyer knows how to spend money. And in that sense, like, although that phrase is so short, what that really means is like, they know how much they're spending. They know their KPIs of when to cut it and they know their KPIs of when to scale it. Mm -hmm. So if you just bucket that under a good media buyer knows how to spend money, those of us in this industry are going to understand like, Oh, I get it right. He's confident spending money. And when it's ready to put the pedal to the metal, they're going to feel confident in spending it and taking uh, the opportunity. Tim, Tim gave us the structures and strategies to, to build campaigns and know like, okay, this is going to work because nobody was doing the bid caps or, or the campaign structures or the accelerated delivery back then. Those were, were game changers, I have to say. And, and once you learn that, and once you start understanding, like even now, what, what I'm preaching is like correlation analysis, um, understanding down funnel metrics. What what is the variation between a landing page to add to cart, or cart to purchase, or click to cart? Yeah. Those are what we play with now, right? Yeah. Structure, and even back then, like we, st- I still use some of the tactics of like, okay, maybe we can squeeze out a couple more bucks with if, if I drop a couple bids in here, um, and with 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 Tim. We got access to, I mean, I don't know if you remember this, is makeup brush cleaner, magnetic eyelashes, yep. LED lights, flame light yep. bulb. Drop shipping. Uh, um, jewelry cleaner. too. We, Tim, I, I still run jewelry. Yeah. 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 A personalized jewelry. I, I saw that. And yours, your, your one now is quite high end, which is you know, high touch. And uh, yeah, it's, it's great. It's brilliant. Um, rather than you know, all that cheap stuff from China. No, you, you, there's yeah. a, there's a market for almost anything and there's an angle yeah. for almost everyone. So yeah. we, it's up to you to find that. So, yeah. Okay. Um, so, so with, with Tim, how long were you with Tim for? And, um, you know, um, I know we've, we've, we're really going through all of this detail yeah. and then, you know, where, where, where are you now? Um, what, what, what are you up to now? Sure. So t- I was with Tim for a year and a half. Um, Tim, Tim had the opportunity to take agency Y and move with in, into uh, another bigger partner, which is DFO. So DFO is a network out of San Diego, a great affiliate team. Um, and so Tim took the agency and partnered with uh, DFO to give more structure and, and backbone because Tim was his main use of acquisition or getting new customers was the masterminds was the events. So he was able to build a network, build deal flow uh, and continue to talk about what was happening at, uh, within his team. And I I'm orange County. I'm not, I'm not moving anywhere. Like if I'm going to move somewhere, it's going to be because uh, I'm going to put roots down here. Uh, and so we ended up putting roots in orange County. We, ha- we have a women's clothing store just around the corner. You do. And wow. I, okay. Physical. And this yeah. is a whole other, we're not even selling a line, but, uh, I digress. Okay. I digress. Okay. Uh, we, we, uh, after Tim left, I, I joined on a, a, a very good team that's taught me to move away from just performance and move into branded performance, branded content, um, with equity building in, in the name, which was common thread collective. Um, okay. common thread collective is where I got, I got to use the skills of scaling with the brands that could actually withstand the scale. Enter in diff eyewear, enter in snow, enter in pup socks, enter in owl, enter in all the brands that I have behind me that all the hard work of acquiring a customer meant that they were going to stay and give you that LTV. Okay. Okay. At com, let's, at, let, let, at, let's break down the, you know, um, let, let's break down the structure here and, and, and what you're talking about in terms of like, um, you know, equity. Um, sure. So, so what, you know, if a brand was to approach you today, what, what's your proposition to them um, from an equity standpoint? Yeah. So I think I'll define the equity 
of what I was speaking specifically to that is when you're scaling a drop shipping store, it's usually based around a single product. Mm-hmm. When you're scaling a product within a branded store, it's based around the brand, which means that they have the ability to have two or three products to continue to sell them with. And the yeah. brand equity of like the equity isn't related to the product. The equity is related to the brand, which means that there's more LTV available. So we, when we spend all of our time and energy building up a single product, you can't cross sell or upsell or, or add another thing into that ecosystem. Yep. But with a brand like Diff or, or Snow or, or uh, Pup Socks or uh, Pods, like they, these people are building such a brand and a culture that the consumers that I'm working so hard to acquire should stay longer. Yep. That makes our worth as buyers or our worth as marketers more significant. And so at Common, they, they had the deal flow. They had the ability to, to bring in these brands that had A, cash to spend, B, brands to, to withstand, and C, founders that believed in, in digital marketing. Mm. So mm. We, when we structure a team or when we structure those scaling, um, they, they understand that like, hey, we're going to build our site to perform, but we're going to keep it as uh, attractive as possible. You ask like when a when a brand comes to us, what do I what do I ask? I ask three different things. Uh, is your product margin at least thirty percent? Do we have thirty thirty percent to play with? Is your AOV at least fifty two dollars? Do you have a conversion rate over two percent? Um, and are you already spending money? Why the spending money isn't isn't to say like um, we only want to work with high spenders. No, we just want to work with a proven funnel. Something something that is actually getting conversions. Scale success. Brother, you, you and I both know this. Like, it's not your media buyer's job to crack your brand. Like exactly. our job, we're, we're, a, we're a microphone. You're the voice. We're here to amplify whatever's already working. Well, okay. exactly. Right? Amen on this one. So uh, to, to, to be completely honest, I spent uh, a year and a half with Common. And uh, at Common, I realized two different things. Uh, I'm very, very good at scaling campaigns. And as a company grows, so when I joined in there, I think they were... Uh, 10, uh, 10 to 15 people. When I left, they were 85. Whoa. Okay. When you grow that fast, it's very difficult to keep and work with all the same legacy products or brands, right? Yeah. Talking about, talking about growing a team. This is where I realized uh, the system that we have today is a little bit different because we are remote. So we, uh, we don't have the same exact structure, but it, it does fit. So we have uh, a, a strategist or someone that's in charge of overall direction. Mm-hmm. That strategist is supported by as many designers as needed. Oftentimes, two to three. Those two to three designers can support, I would say, four to eight brands. And you have two media buyers. So a strategist that leads direction, client-facing communication. Like a project manager. Yes, but they have to know marketing. They have to be they able to know marketing. Okay. okay. And then how many clients does the strategist actually you know, um, manage? All clients or a few or five so if you define, I define manage by understanding the strategy, the direction and what the plan is, right? I don't need them to actually touch the knobs in the account. Okay. Because it's a two different mindset. You can't have, I can't be, I can't be media buying, running strategies, optimizing campaigns, and then necessarily, or it's difficult to do. And then someone jumping on the call and be like, hey, so here's exactly what this next three weeks are going to look like. It's a different mindset of yeah. being in a being numbers focused versus now I could go be personable. Yeah. I think us as us as leaders of our team and agencies, like we have this, this ability, but you you're going to start finding what I'm finding as I'm hiring and looking for people. There's some that just want to be in accounts. Yeah. There's some buyers that just want to like, let me get in my head. Down. Yes. 
Yeah. And then you have some that are going like, Oh, I want to talk about what we're doing. I want to, I want to, I want to get buy-in. Yeah. So we realized very quickly, each, each media buyer confidently can handle between five to eight brands, five to eight brands. Yeah. A lot of these are varying scales. Some, some, some brands are very low touch. How's everything going? Great job. Some are very high touch. I don't even think it's relative to how much money is being spent. Cause we've had brands. We have one brand right now doing half a million a month, just spending on just Facebook and the only person that I talked to is their one, is their, their one internal marketing, but he's like, how are things going uh, this week? Good. Here's your update. So I don't think spend is relative to the amount of uh, high touch that goes into it. I, I believe if you have a, a brand that doesn't understand the brand as much, which is why we talk about, hopefully they have some spend going that mm-hmm. spend equals they have an understanding of how this actually works, exactly. which we always, we always talk about, you got to buy that data. Exactly, exactly. And they, they've got to have a thick skin to go through it and understand that, like, you know, you, you, you have to learn, you have to get the data. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So we, what, we know, what we understand is to, to make sure a client or make sure a brand owner, and I know, I think someone in your group asked this, is like, how do you, how do you get your, how do you get the, the buy-in or how do you communicate what is happening uh, to a client? Well, clients need to know three things. What has, what has happened what is happening and what's going to happen. If you can answer these three buckets, you're going to deal with, okay, what have you been doing so that they know that they're not on the back burner, that they know that they're not a second thought, what is currently happening so that you're able to apply the learnings and then what's going to happen. So you can give them an idea of what's down the line, spend creative angles testing. So if I communicate to my team, go guys, anybody that has to communicate to client or even for me to follow, if I can keep that framework, Everyone's going to be in the know because what, what they don't like is being surprised. A client never wants to jump onto a call. Uh, a brand never wants to jump onto a call or get a Slack message and going like, hey, guys, what are we doing next? Like, if that happens, you've already, you're already screwed. Exactly. You have to be proactive. You have to be proactive. And um, so talking about like the coronavirus now, we can't sort of ignore um, what's yeah. going on now. Um, how has um, or have your relationships with clients changed? Um, how have adjustments in campaigns changed? Um, I, I know it varies from client to client, but um, what was fundamentally changed from a media buying standpoint? So I'll, I'll communicate one thing that we did right and, and two things that we did wrong. The one thing that we did right is uh, as soon as March began, we had initial conversations about cash flow and billing. We, we have, we have, we have costs associated, uh, generally speaking, uh, they're a little bit higher and they're on percentage of spend. So when we ask them, Hey, is, are we in a good cash position to a spend and B to cover our costs? We do us as an agency right now, like we're going to get past this time. It's, it's not going to be at then this is before anything's happened. I've never gone through something like this. I wasn't around for nine 11. I, uh, I was too young for nine 11. I wasn't around for 28, uh, 2008.com. So I knew that if I can get ahead of them and communicate, I want to be with you guys past these next two months. We are in a cash position where we're okay if you need to go net 60, net 90. We're okay with that, right? Because our win, we need Q4. We want to get to Q4. Now, this is before we knew that we would get some, some successes, some hits, which would provide us cash flow. What really hurt us was not having conversations around what was product capacity and were, were we going to get more shipments? Logistics, yeah. <laughs> Logistics. A lot of people are back ordering now. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's insane. It's a, it's a nightmare for some, um, but some have very, 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 um, um, shall I say, um, patient customers, you know, and um, they're waiting. 
So, so, so what happened with, with yes, that? Uh, uh, we had, our, our main issue is the brands that we thought that were positioned to scale for spring and for summer were no longer able to get the, the production run for scale. Yeah. So the production run for scale, which means if they're, they're depending on their, their, their ordering and their, their shipments or how it was coming in, we were no longer in the position to spend money, which means we were no longer in the position to earn uh, whatever percentage of spend on that scale. Yeah. So we, we knew right away. And so that play was, you had two decisions. You push it till you turn it off, uh, potentially putting yourself in a poor position or you lower and, and work for efficiency. So I'm, I'm, I'm in the game for uh, long-term. I'm in the game for making sure these relationships withstand. So we didn't push it. There's a lot of brands we didn't push. The one brand that we actually uh, went deep on was a jewelry brand that is essentially selling, selling uh, uh, memories and emotion. And right now we're going through Mother's Day, graduation, remembrance of birthdays. Like these things don't stop. Births don't stop. So we had two very large wins. One on the Mother's Day campaign, which is still going and graduation, as well as baby products. Yeah. People don't stop giving birth. People aren't. And, and when you start realizing what works and what doesn't work, oftentimes parents are buying for themselves to look at their kid to be cute for us. Right. Whereas yeah. if you're looking at and shopping apparel, which I think it rebounded this month, but apparel was difficult. Workout clothes were up and down for us. You're buying usually to look good for somebody else. Jewelry couldn't sell any high end jewelry. You're usually buying the jewelry for to look good for someone else. So we knew those brands were going to take a hit unless we had a reframe feel good for yourself or work for yourself. Healthcare products were doing well because now so, we're talking So about- were you having to, to rewrite copy um, to, to just adjust with the times without being too in your face and too salesy? Overall, yes. Was it a, was it a huge shift of like launch as many new copy variations? No, it wasn't as drastic as we thought we needed to be, but we did address in times like these, or it's true, it, 2020 hasn't been what we expected. We danced around it, but we definitely didn't call out like work from home or, or stay at home other than the, the glasses, blue light companies that we have. Mm-hmm. That was the only one because that actually made sense. Yeah. You're going to be at home. And generally, if you're at home, you have two, two type of people, those that aren't going to work very hard. And those are probably going to overwork because they have nothing else to do. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, we took the angles and that was just specifically for two brands uh, and just the fact that it's blue light and you're going to use it at your computer and your phone and your screen time is going to pick up. That, that was probably the biggest shift. The, the loss that we also had was we create content. Like we, we, we make videos. You can't shoot content. You can't book models. You can't book Airbnbs. Yeah, true. That, that I want to talk to you about. Um, so from a, Creative standpoint, you know, um, I know you have um, an entire unit specific yeah. for creatives. What came, did, did it, was it like seeing pain points of um, customers and clients that led you to, to, to give that service, to give that solution, put that solution out? Because a lot of brands struggle with creatives. So I'd like to know your, your thinking um, behind the creative, because it's, the, the different knots and bolts, especially if you're, you're arranging shoots, as you alluded to, you know, earlier. Um, so, 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 yeah, shed a bit more light on that, please. For sure. So we, we, we knew two things. With so we get access to right now. We have 120 brands, whether it's on email, whether it's on paid social, whether it's on consulting, or whether it's on um, uh, search. Right, search social. So we we have we're sitting here going like, okay. 
we're having so much access to these brands and we hired us someone specifically that's a creative and B understood how to do media buying on Facebook, but they want to stay more creative. We just had them analyzing all the content that's running and start producing uh, reports that are based on creative. What, what ad units, what structure, what was happening top, middle, bottom of funnel. All they were doing was focusing on how much content was being made and what was working relative to each brand. That, that role came down to like what naming conventions we have so that we're able to like pull the reports from within supermetrics. Mm-hmm. That, that ended up going like, oh shit, like these are pretty consistent. That's a split screen. That's half face. That's text overlay. Uh, that's four by five. Okay, this is just feed. And these things started trending up. When a client comes to us, oftentimes they, we, we do an, an, an analysis of their account. We do an analysis of, of, the, of the products that they have or content that they have. They usually do a data dump and not everybody is focused on creating assets for social. They have branding, they have pictures, they have photo shoots, they have some videos, but it's not social content. And what our job is, is like somebody posted to the group, like, do you charge people for cost or do you charge people for content or do you not charge for content? Figure it out into, I'd say you have to put, bake it into the retainer or bake it into what you're billing them because that content that you need, whether they're going to make it for you or you're going to make it for yourself provides the scale that you can then make it back on the paid social side. Mm-hmm. So if you aren't Katie, if you aren't creating the content or at least iterating off of what they have, you're limited on your own scale. That's on your, that's your fault. You have to figure that out. So we, we created the, the brand constant creative, which is purely, purely fa- focused on creating performance creative. So do you have a creative director there or um, do, do you also head, head that bit? No. So this is, this is uh, Joe, Joe Salvatore, which is who we hired just to lead this, just to lead this Makes work. Sense. Yeah. It comes, it comes out of myself and Jake as leading direction because we have, uh, we have the test that we want to try and we have access to the brands. Joe now has access to the brands, but before he did not have that. Mm. What, what people confuse is very beautiful content or things that look really good oftentimes aren't the things that always convert, right? Exactly. It's, it's, it's the, the old times of people going, wow, why is this ugly landing page convert better than this beautiful one? We don't know. It, it's because ugly usually converts better because it's easier to understand. Functional. <laughs> Functional. Functional over fashion, for sure. Yeah, so we, we started having our designers start creating content for, we basically dog food ourselves. So we had our own uh, media buyers giving direction on, on the, the designers that we have. The designers then started making content for people that, like, hey, let me see if I can make you a couple ads because it doesn't take us too long. So if a brand hit us up, like, hey, let me make one or two ads, send us the report you have or add me into your ad account and I'll start looking at your metrics and see if we can beat what you currently have. Exactly. Look at the best performing creatives and then, you know, um, just build that as your baseline and, and you know, iterate. Awesome. Amazing, amazing stuff. And then what about like clients, you know, um, so they have to send the products to you and then, you know, you figure everything out from there pretty much. Yeah, it's, it's really that simple. Like we, yeah. we, right now we're a little bit limited. We don't have a studio to shoot from. I so we're trying our best to rent Air- Airbnbs. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. Um, let's get a bit more technical now. Um, there's, an immense amount of, you know, um, conversation and knowledge from, from this, from, from what we're doing now. And I guess I might even have to split this episode so, you know, people can, you know, chunk it down a little bit. Campaign structure, um, what's working right now? So if I have 50K or 100K to spend per month, 
how would you sort of, and I've, I've had a bit of success and let me define my success. Um, my success is um, we're, we're selling um, say 150 units, but we want to hit three X, you know, um, we want to get to like 450 units, you know, a day to 500 units a day. So what, what would you, what infrastructure would you put in place in a campaign to, to take, take us there? I appreciate the fact that you gave us, you gave me something with success. Thank you very much for that. Uh, you gave me my budget to play was between 50 to hundred K um, where we're easily going to launch four specific prospecting campaigns. The first prospecting campaign is usually going to be structured in a dynamic creative test. The dynamic creative test is going to sit with uh, three variations of your best performing creative and two variations of copy. So we'll, we'll create the angle. So if anything, if we can visualize it, it'll be dynamic creative test with the theme that we're trying to test. So if we'll say uh, we're selling sheets, I use this example because I'm, I'm, I got it from memory. Um, in our sheets, it's silver or it's uh, odorless or it's uh, washing it less. So it'd be dynamic creative test, prospecting, wash less. Are these 60 with, second videos, 30 second videos or image, static image? Um, image great question. Ads? Great question. We're, we're staying always between 15 and 35 seconds. All right. I don't believe that uh, right now, 60 seconds working. We don't have a single account out of every account running with a, a, a 35 plus. We might have a couple 45s in there, but definitely not. Definitely not a 60 second video. I'm not How do you explain it. a somewhat complex um, product in 35 seconds? Okay. So each product has probably between one to five value propositions. Okay. If you go more than five value propositions, more than three value propositions, you're going to confuse them. And us as a, us as a media buyer, us as a marketer, we're not going to know what, tr what hook hooked them. So each creative has to be focused upon, in my opinion, less than three value propositions so that you can communicate clearly why it is someone would want it. And it should be like 10 seconds each in a, in a 30 second reel. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why you would want to have all your value propositions in one thing because now you, now you don't know what worked. Why was that? It's kind of like I do my best to stay away from stacking lookalike audiences, but back, back to, um, back to your structure. So yeah. we have dynamic creative testing, prospecting the angle that we're focused upon within that we have oftentimes three to five ad sets. Now we're still prospecting. Those ad sets are now going to be creative test or you're only keeping the creative the same and you're rotating or you so you're only keeping the copy the same and rotating the creative. Mm -hmm. Again, I don't want more than five creatives in there, whether it's image still, I don't have any specifics on that because the brand might give us just raw uh, still assets or we, or we have to make maybe one or two videos. I don't, I'm not particular on whether it's an image or a video. All I know is that I want to make sure that structure is not rotating images and videos with rotating copy. Mm. So you, you keep so, so so in one ad set you're rotating copy, and another ad set you're rotating um, you know um, creatives. Correct, because you on what we're learning on dynamic creative testing, you have to spend so much money, and I'm talking. Depend, if we got into specifics, like depending on the AOV, we're usually trying to spend two to three times AOV to get an understanding. We won't spend two to three under, two to three X AOV if cart metrics are not in line with what CPA could potentially be. Like there's, there's a formula to how we're, we're evaluating that. But generally speaking, two to three X and on a dynamic creative test, if you have more variations, it's going to, you're not going to get real numbers on this. Yeah.
So it, for us, it was like, okay, we have to isolate. You're either testing the creative or you're testing the copy. What we do is we'll then duplicate out. And I, there's a way of, of doing this. I'll, I'll, I think I'll make a video. You probably understand how to do this. You can get the post ID from the dynamic creative test and then you keep social proof. So you've, it's going to aggregate all of them. And then I'm starting to duplicate into what we call is a one day click, one day view, optimized for value campaign, all broad audiences. I believe right now, broad audiences are better converting than a stack or a lookalike or an interest. So for, for, for people listening, broad audiences have no, no interest, interest or no, no interest. As if the interest is there, it better be 10 million plus. All right. Okay. It needs to be as broad as possible. Two reasons why I like this. One, if your product can appeal to the broad, you have scale. You have, you have infinite scale and you have ability to, to let your creative make the consumers raise their hand and elect to, to join on. And you allow Facebook figure it out. You know, you allow Facebook look for the, 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 the segments in the audience that would actually, you know, um, um, just engage and convert. Only way, only way. And so now we have, we have the dynamic creative test running top of funnel. Then we duplicated out our best performers into a one day click, one day view value campaign. I, I really, really don't want people doing more than, more than five to 10 ad sets. There's only one time I go into a 25 ad set under CBO, which we call it our horizontal scale. If you have the creative that works, the audience that's proven, and the, what it, I don't think you're, you're not going to be running any bids on this, but if you have the creative that works in the audience that's working in that CBO, you're doing nothing other than duplicating it 25 times and letting it run. Yep. Making sure that you're doing a min of relative to your budget minimum, at least $5 spent on each ad set. So some spend is getting on them and yep. making sure you have a cap of max. So you don't overspend on that. And these are massive audiences. Have to be, have to be. I, I, I think you can get away with a, a 1% look like, which is about 2 million plus. It depends on what you're spending though. Like if you're at a 50,000, a hundred thousand, you're going to want to have these large audiences because if you can spend 50 and a hundred, you probably have your logistics in line. You probably have product, which means you're probably set up to, to scale if it's possible. I never want to set up my account so that I have to cut it. I'm going through this right now. If you're setting your account up, you're, and I want to spend 15,000, you don't set the account to spend 15,000. You set the account to spend 25,000. Yeah. Because you're not going to let it run all the way. Yeah. So let, let's shoot. I have another question, but I, I'll, I'll let us um, shoot in this one and then I'll, I'll just write the, the question down here. So when, when you sort it out, you know, that way in, in regards to the testing, um, in, in regards to creative testing and, and audience testing, what does your mid you know, funnel look like and, and bottom funnel look like? Pretty straightforward. So we have, aside from dynamic products, or aside from DPAs, yeah. we call it our re-engagement and remarketing. Under remar uh, under re-engagement, these are all the people that have seen your video, clicked on an ad, engaged with some sort of content on Instagram or Facebook, but not been to your website. So we would call it L2, re-engagement. These people know and are familiar with something, but they haven't clicked off. So we're still excluding website traffic uh, and we're only allowing this, trying to show them potentially a, a carousel or a UGC of someone talking about the product values. That is the smallest part of our funnel, I would say middle, because of its uh, brief engagement. Then when you get into the remarketing or down funnel, you go into L3 or L4. L3, talking about... Those have just been to website visitors, haven't taken action deep in a cart. So it's homepage, collection page, product page, 
flirting around there. I have some brands where we have a, such a, a large amount of like excess traffic that isn't Facebook specific that we're able to build a segmentation from just home and collection and then product page. But it's few and far between. I, I usually just bucket home a collection and, and product page together because I understand there, there are different clicks that are deeper into the technical product or technical page funnel. Mm-hmm. But it's not as different as someone adding it to their cart and initiating checkout and beginning purchase. Mm-hmm. So we'll group our content and our audiences in remarketing L3 at website visitors, collection visitors, and product page visitors. Okay. Well, they're right below warm because they, they've, been, they've been on the site and interacted with you. They're very likely to, to convert. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're very likely to get into my remarketing. They're very likely to get into my carts. Yeah. So we... We're now pushing them, and then I would say the bottom close to the funnel would be okay. added carts, initiates. Okay. okay. What about like secondary metrics? What well, besides like purchase? What, what metrics are you looking to just gauge the health of, of a campaign, and you know, um, to to to, to know you're, you're you're steering towards the right direction? Oh, all day. This is added carts or initiate checkouts. Like this is our bread and butter. I have a, my correlation document up right here. Is you the ratio of click? to cart and cart to purchase are the main things we look at. When you Does it vary from campaign to campaign or um, do you, is, is there a broad um, sheet um, metric there, conversion metric across the board? Oh, good question. I don't, think, I don't think you can give a broad metric because the variance of niche and AOVs are so different. Like, I, I don't think there's a, a set, I need to have X conversion rate or I need to have a ratio of cart to purchase. I don't have that. I, I don't think capable of producing that, but okay. we, we are monitoring. You, you'll get, if we need to have a 1X, 2X, 3X on site, there's a certain amount, like a bandwidth of what you can get on added carts that should turn into a purchase. Yeah. And, and it also mirrors in when you go to like your e-commerce, you know, um, platform, when you look at your reports, we, you, you know, you have a bad day if, you know, um, typically if like you have 5% out of carts and, you know, um, it's at 4% that day, it just, it's, it's a funnel at the end of the day, <laughs> you know, um, and the, the more there is at, at add to cart, the more initiate checkouts they're likely to be and the more purchases that they're, they're likely to be. Um, yeah, no, you're absolutely plus. To, plus, you have email and potentially, hopefully, you have text exactly. message. Exactly, email capture. How serious are you with email capture? Uh, extremely serious. So serious that we we acquired an email team, so that Whoa. we didn't have to. So serious that we, brother, like this was probably the biggest business decision that we've ever made. Okay. That on on the variable. So you and I both know on paid social, there's a variable. You have the ability to hit the moon. You have the ability to be paused. Mm-hmm. Email is so steady with predictable revenue that on average you, you, you're getting a conversion rate on site between two and 5%. Mm. That means all these other people are not buying from you or purchasing from you. They better get into a welcome series. They better get into a newsletter and they better have a card abandonment flow. Yeah. So that, we didn't even want to train anybody. We just wanted to work with the best that we could. And I, I'll, I can't drop the name until we're able to do like a public announcement. Okay. We, we, we acquired a team that was the best in our industry that knew paid social and knew how we can do campaigns together. Because now we're having conversations going, I would like to do an e-commerce lead gen funnel that then nurtures them into um, uh, trying to upsell them on the back end. There's a different value to that consumer because people that opting in for sweepstakes or, or something win something, but that still is valuable down the line if we're willing to get them to convert an email. That's next level, man. Uh, exactly. And then you can use those segments again and hit them with the same message on social. 
once oh. you have the two teams in, in, in the same room, you know, talking I'm to not, each other. I'm not even there yet. I can't wait to be there. It's crazy. And um, what about SMS? People are, they're, they're like, you know, talking about massive conversions with SMS. Um, I don't have huge um, first-hand experience, but I've spoken to, to you know, um, some, some e-commerce, you know, people who are killing it um, from SMS, especially on sales events. Um, so it kind of picks up the slack where email, where, you know, where email open rates are not quite where they should be. And, you know, they, they, people who would have missed email just, um, you know, um, pick up on the SMS right away. I have. So what we, what we tell our brands is I, I, I'm with you on this. I, I have firsthand experience with brands, but instead in activating campaigns, I don't have firsthand experience. If your demographic is used to communicating and having conversations in text message, I believe that you should be able to do it. If you're working with a demographic of those that might feel it's intrusive, it could be more damaged than benefit, honestly. Absolutely. I agree. So, I agree. Same with Messenger. Remember when Messenger came out and everyone's like, you got to go to Messenger list. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> and look at it now. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I digressed from you. Um, the last part you were at was um, L3, L4, website visitors, um, you know, um, collection and product page visitors. Correct. So product page visitors, those, so after, so L, L2, so L3 is after they get into the funnel, that meaning they've already been to the home site, they've already been to the home collection and product page. Right below that is all cart metrics. So we have added cart, initiate checkout, and then we're obviously ignoring purchases. The two only two variants that we have that's unique to us, I believe, is we're building um, a five-day window and then excluding five-day and going the next 14 days. So it's- How'd you build a five-day window? So for what we're finding across our brands, the first five days, depending on if it's a lower AOV, uh, I would say, and I define lower AOV as an under $65, they're going to make that purchase in the first week. Facebook's optimizing for a seven day on average, like one day click, seven day view, uh, one day click, 28 day view. I want Facebook to give me all my conversions within the first five days because I don't think it's going to be as accurate past that. So, Makes what, sense. What, what so we, are you, are you adjusting this to the account level or at a campaign level, the five day V to click? The only way, so we're not able to adjust to five day, but we're only a, a, available to adjust to a seven day. I don't want to, we have two brands that are adjusted the actual account level to the seven day. All it does is make our job harder because now we have to convert and we don't get Facebook. We don't let Facebook reach into 28 days to give updates. Yeah. So some brands that have a large media mix, are limiting us to click only or are dropping us down to seven day. That's fine. It is what it is. I believe if you're a brand growing and you have multiple channels running, you should evaluate what seven day click looks for you. If you're only running primarily on one channel, keep it 28. You know, Facebook's driving majority of your traffic anyways. Yeah. Yeah. So why we go five days is we're trying and we oftentimes go for this is the first five days. Uh, we want to apply some sort of promo code that the brand could actually give off on first, first customers. We're not doing any sort of discount code on past customers. Yeah, that's our. And, that's and, and that is, is that disseminated via Facebook or um, a mix of other channels or on site? So, we, depending on if you have multi channel play, we're only keeping that discount code on Facebook. Email, a newsletter would be the only one, but they usually would be getting a different promo code coming from whichever email flow they're getting. So, we're keeping that code specific to Facebook. Okay, okay, makes sense. And then you could track it. 
Okay. One, I will tell you one, one little hack that we're absolutely crushing with right now. If you have a brand that's winning at CPA, uh, meaning like if I need $20 conversions, I'm getting $20 conversions, put it on a low budget. I'm saying like 200 to $400 range, depending what you can afford, do an accelerated campaign. Literally, and I know it might seem scary, do an accelerated campaign at the bid. So if I need 20 bucks, put it to 18, put one at 16 and let it run. Why I believe in this right now is we're optimizing for a one day click, one day view, bid cap right below the CPA target. Mm-hmm. At days where we're spending five to $10,000 on a single campaign, single mm-hmm. campaign. And I'm looking at it, holding, like having to sit on my hands, but man, it is perfect after the day ends. Oh, it, it runs for like two hours. You, you feel like you're about to throw up in your stomach because it's going so fast. I, bro- I, have, I have a question because I've, I've had good and bad with accelerated um, experiences. Well, I've had good and bad experiences with accelerated, you know, um, but what time would you start the bid? So um, you gave the example of $240. Say, say it's $500. We have to spend um, target CPA is $25. Um, do you look at um, past performances to when the shop is most, most active or do you just start at midnight? I would start at midnight. We, I haven't played with that just oh. yet. You, we do have, like, there's like the natural curve of your store. Some brands spend no money in the morning. Some brands spend a little bit more money in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't gotten again, like I'm like three weeks into winning with this right now. So okay. I don't, I don't, I don't have a lot of data on it. I just have a lot of spend in a short period of time. Okay. We're letting it run. The, like the day starts accelerated is already on. Let it go. If you're, if your store or your, your traditionally on Facebook, if you're, if you're spending a significant amount of money early in the morning, it's going to spend along with that. If you're not going to spend a lot of money in the morning, it's generally what I'm seeing is going to uh, spend along with the normal trajectory of your spend. We see spend spike for us for the, the two campaigns we're doing at like eight to 12. And then you get your second hump around like four to six. So those are the two times we have ours taking off, but I'm not controlling it. I'm definitely not turning it on and off. Okay. So with 10K, um, it'll take you all through the day. 10K. No, it will, it'll, it'll blow it in like three to four hours. And it's the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. I like to think that people are asleep at 12 midnight. Um, so if you fire it up at 12 midnight, um, it's already four in the morning when the, when 10K is blown out. Um, where does Facebook find those customers to, to purchase, to convert? But man, if I knew... hours of the day. I, man, if I knew, I've, I've just seen... <laughs> When you spend a lot of money, you start seeing things that just don't make sense in Facebook. And you're like, why does it make, and the more time you try to figure out why it doesn't make sense, the more you're just going to realize like, you don't know anything. (laughs) Amazing. Okay. We will, we will try that. Um, You know, hopefully guys are listening to this one and we'll try that. Okay. Lower budget. If you guys do do it, please let me know how this goes because I, I feel confident in this right now. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for, for giving that tip. <laughs> okay. And then um, what does the bottom of the funnel look like? So if you're, if you have the ability to, well, I would say the remarking at added card initiate checkouts, that is what our bottom of funnel looks like. Okay. Um, okay. You, okay. So, so you're not, you, you don't use catalog campaigns and you know, and we, like, we, we do, but you're limited in product, product, uh, product, catalog campaign yeah. because of what they look like. Unless you're pulling in like a native image that's on whatever, if you've uploaded a lifestyle image, you're limited yeah. there. So it, at bottom of funnel at the card metric, you can still run DPA because it is, it is valuable because of how it's running, but we're going to opt for like a collection uh, campaign uh, running to the same audience. So you can still run DPA to your added cards initiates. 
how but then you can run yeah over a collection okay question um this one I was asked um, a few minutes ago. It's 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 more around um, like stores with five hundred SKUs or more. You know, you know, like fashion stores with the catalog that's you know seasonal. You know, um, what's your approach with them? Um, given the fact that you know they have a lot of SKUs to sell. Obviously, from my drop shipping experience back in the days, I'd look for one of their top sellers and try and scale that product and and all. But um, it's not efficient from a supply chain standpoint, you know, management, you know, product management standpoint. So how would you approach creatives um, when, you know, people have a collection rather than just a specific product to sell? Yeah, this is, this is a great question. And I'm having to deal with this right now. So it's very timely. So we have a, we have a skew, we have two, two stores uh, that have 150 to 3000 SKUs because one's jewelry. We go, we go each collection on dynamic ads, broad audiences. So if we have baseball collection, we have uh, our Mother's Day collection and graduation collection. We're already having, usually the brand's gonna shoot content that are still images specifically. All of these are gonna run under a carousel or a collection specific campaign, uh, collection specific ads in a campaign mm-hmm. because you, you don't necessarily have the ability to go deep on these collections because you just don't have the time. If you wanted to build so many of these SKUs, uh, it would take you forever to, and you'd have millions of campaigns. You don't have that budget, right? So use the directional information you have of, of most pages being hit in Google analytics, uh, dynamic ads, broad audiences, s- specifically segmented by collection. So we have a collect, we have one campaign prospecting. It's called dynamic ads, broad audiences, collections. Each collection is specific to, so like a category to yes yes that's what I was looking for yeah okay 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 after the, it's after that you start realizing okay I have I have my broad audiences running collection specific you're in Shopify measuring how many products are are actually being sold um, and in your in analytics of like what page is getting as much traffic that will allow you to support okay I need to build specific remarketing towards those that are hitting this collection towards those that are hitting this product page. You can't just go out of the out of the bag, which I think you I think you were looking for was like if you have so many, what do you do? Well, you literally don't have the time or bandwidth or dollars to do all of it. 80 yeah. 20 rule significantly applies here, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just batch it out and and um I like the fact that you you talked about um the collections, the carousels. Um what about um like canvas ads where you have um you have the image or video and then below that is like a, a you know a catalog of, of products do, do you see that format that ad creative format work really well uh, for for yes I, I see this working not as much as collection but not because of it doesn't work but because we don't do it enough mm. so i to be fully transparent i don't think i have enough learning or or confidence to speak to like whether I would work or wouldn't work. It should work because it's presenting a great video with that bottom beneath it. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. And um, going back to the whole coronavirus thing, um, what, what kind of CPMs are you looking at now? Um, I've seen CPMs drop from as high as $6, you know, in spring to, to about $2.40, $2.50. Um, I'm seeing less than half. Um, obviously intent is different, you know, depending yeah. on the kind of product, but it till up to up until now, um, you know, CPMs have still been, you know, um, been, been a bargain to be honest. 
So um, you're going to give me two, two seconds right here. And I'm going to pull up all of our accounts into ads reporting and I'll just give a straight up answer of what I'm seeing. Okay. Okay. This is pulling from a hundred brands. It's an insane number of brands, Nick. So are you, so how do you manage manage that many, um, many brands? How many account managers do you have there? uh, I, I don't want to go too deep into that, but we have, we have seven account managers. Um, now, as you know, most of these brands, not all of them are spending, actively spending. Right? Or spending. Like they're, not, they're not all pushing. They all need the attention. But yeah. more often than now, before I believe that there was a lot of optimization needed on a day-to-day day trading structure and style. I don't believe that is what is needed nowadays. I unless, that. Mm. unless you're going like... Uh, we, uh, the client's very demanding. The product's very demanding. There, there's, there's, a, there's a handful of reasons why that brand might need to do all that changes. Yeah. Not right now. I don't believe it. So let me... CPMs across. So this is just straight straight well, CPM. Okay. So $4.72. Wow. Across the board. And this is... Yeah. Some of these campaigns are running worldwide. But okay. we have... 15. So, so if you if you put the cohort of like um, April, April twenty twenty, last thirty days, and you compare it to to last year. Okay, so we have four forty four across the board of all the accounts. So it's one on one right here. Okay, and then let's go to that same period, two thousand and nineteen, first to twenty seventh of. Ready? What's your guess? Um, I'm thinking seven or thereabouts, six, seven, maybe eight, ten. Ooh, 737. (laughs) My man man was on Facebook back in the day. (laughs) Well, let's, let's play it. Let's go. Let's even go at 20. Let's go back to 18. 18 was a, was 18 of the buggy year or last year? Can't quite remember. It feels like every year. 11. Yeah, Yeah. 11. Yeah. Last year is when dynamic creative started becoming a thing, um, and there's a lot more efficiency with. Wow, I can't even go back to 2017. 2017. So they even they can just month a month, right? Yeah, this month, what, yeah. What if we just did March? March, depending on the state. Yep, yeah, it's for it. CPMs have gone down. It's four dollars, and then what was it like in January? 486. 486. What did it look like in, um, that's interesting, if it's 486 in January. Feb 6. Why? So January, January would be like, you know, um, everybody's kind of like, it's, 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 what would I say? It's, it, it feels like a hangover from Q4. Okay. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Q4 would be insane. Everybody's doing it. Eight. Yeah. Eight, yeah. That makes sense. Okay. But, but typically, you know, um, so a lot of, here's, here's my theory. If you're in travel, you're no longer spending. Um, you, what, what's the point of an airline spend? And they spend heavy, you know, and you're talking about like price comparison sites. If you're a retailer and you're trying to bring foot forward, all local businesses have stopped spending. Yep. So, so anything that's, you know, in effect, not doing business, any, any sector that's not doing business is not advertising actively. So they've, they've put the, the, the field wide open for, for everybody else, especially e-commerce, because if you can still fulfill and you have your COVID message there, you know, people are just buying. And um, as you said, 
the, the massive issues in regards to um, fulfillment and um, you know getting things in the production line, that is a challenge. And those brands who are able to to deliver or who have patient you know um, customer basis. They're going to win because I know I've been buying stuff as in DHL guy has been coming, you know, to my door, you know, Royal Mob has been coming every day, but either my stuff or my, 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 my wife's stuff. And um, Amazon is not as efficient as it used to be. You can't do next day delivery. It's, it's hit or miss really with Amazon. Yeah. Um, and they stopped um, allowing, um, you know, goods coming through their fulfillment center. That's a non-essential, although they might've changed that, you know, by now. Um, so it's a massive opportunity and we're hoping that, um, when people get into this habit of buying e-commerce, it retains itself. Because if you remember in 2008, with the no, 2003, I think, with the SARS epidemic, uh, China was, the same thing happened to China. Everybody was home and nothing could happen. And that was a turning point for Alibaba. And, um, you know, the rest is history in e-commerce in general in um, in. Yeah. And um, and in China, so we're hoping that um, you know, e-commerce in the West, in the US, in Europe, will just blow up, you know, in in the next um, year or so, um, based on this solid foundation we have. You 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 are so spot on. And then there's a part two and three of this that I've been wanting to discuss with someone. I know you're going to have a great opinion on this. So you have the majority of consumers usually buying from Amazon. You just touched upon it. These Amazon, Walmart, Target, like these consumers are where a lot of majority of e-commerce revenue comes from. Yeah. Well, if they're not selling, so specifically Amazon, I don't think Walmart's doing it. If they're only selling essentials or essential plus, we're seeing our brands getting an influx of the buyers that would else buy their product on Amazon coming yeah. back to the store. Yeah. So the intent is then, there right now. At least I was, yeah. They, they don't want to go to Amazon because they can't get what they no. want. No. Then you I have... Think- I got I to stick on. I'm, I'm so passionate about this one right here. Yeah, cool. Then you have, and I'll speak to specific and American. I, I, I wonder how you feel about this. You have a large, large cohort of consumers that are jumping online that were once going into churches and synagogues and they were doing donations with cash and check. I, I'm a practicing, I'm a practicing Catholic. Uh, my mother is very religious as well. She, yeah. She's having to watch and donate online. Yeah. You have a whole new consumer set that is taking out their wallet, potentially for the first time, feeling comfortable spending as they watch. Online. They don't have a choice now. They don't have a choice. They don't have a choice. They have to put their money in to get their, their groceries or, exactly. or buy a gift for their daughter that they else would go exactly. get in the store. Exactly. So you have this large influx of consumers that aren't what you can't plan for, they were never planned for. And they were shaken at their core to actually now take action on something yeah. that they were like, I'm not putting my credit card online anymore. No. Like no, one's, no one's speaking about that right now. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. And we don't know how long this is going to, to last for. If, if, if it lasts for a quarter, you, you know, it takes about 66 days for a habit to, you know, um, to set in very well, you know, on average, some right. more complex habits take longer. And um, if this goes on for more than a quarter, we are going to get a fresh bridge beyond millennials, Gen X and Gen Ys, um, who will be very receptive yes. to, to online, online purchase and not just from Amazon, but from new brands. There's a massive opportunity. And even if you can't sell now, um, I had, um, 
Jay Cohen from Clavio come on the show. And yes. it's like, just focus on getting emails, focus on getting, you know, um, mobile phone numbers and start to nurture them. Even if like you're not in a position to, to transact right now, um, your email collection should be massively on point and keep engaging with these people because, um, this is just a new opportunity um, for, for, for e-commerce, you know, essentially. Um, and if like, you know, um, things do change as they, they, they're likely to change, you know, moving forward, um, you know, people, if I don't know whether you've seen any videos from Wuhan where, you know, people are not going to restaurants, despite the lockdown being, you know, um, eased off, people are just not comfortable going to restaurants. There, there are a lot more, take, you know, orders online for food to, 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 and it's a big problem for restaurants now. Yeah. Um, and um, people are not going to shops that much. Um, people just, the, 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 there'll be that incubation period where people don't want, you know, to, even if you give them the freedom, um, they, yeah. they're very cautious because they care about their health. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You have two people. You have those that want to get out and go to the gym and, and yeah. do everything. And you have those going like, no, I, I don't know. I'm, I, it's uncertain for me. Exactly. Exactly. There, there was a, there's, a, there's a brilliant article on um, habits. Um, it's by um, the, the, um, the author of Choice Factory. Richard Shotton, I think I'll send a link to, to you on, on that. And yeah, it's, it's, it's around like buying habits changing and um, how, when they're significant that we like, we're, we're creatures of habits generally in, in general. And when a significant event, this is based on data. So they, 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 um, they surveyed thousand people initially, then um, 2,500 people initially. And it was the same result. Wow. When major events occur in people's lives, say um, you have a child, you get married, you change, you just graduated, you have a new job, you've changed country. You're likely to change certain things. You're open and more receptive to changing certain things. So let's say you used to shop in a particular store. You're more likely to say, okay, since I've moved to this new place, let me try something new. Yes. And for us, what's happening now is a major event. Yes. And, yes. and so habits are likely to be changed if we train people. So not spending on Facebook or not spending on advertising and being and not being bored, you're, you're shitting yourself on the foot because there's an opportunity now with lower CPMs to get people to experience your brand and hopefully get them to stick with you going forward. Man, I have nothing to add on that. That was so well said and so well articulated. That was beautiful. That was literally how I feel about this. Even if you're not winning, there's never been a cheaper time in two years. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so good. Thank That was, well, I'm, I'm, it's six, it's, it's seven 34 here. We've been crushing this conversation for an hour. Uh, for, for, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, can't, I don't want to stop. bro. <laughs> okay. Um, final, final question. Um, I'm, I'm actually going to have to do a lightning round before I let you go, but um, yeah. I'm just looking at any other questions I potentially have not covered, which is um, okay. So, you know, given the uncertainty now, um, Q4 2020, there's still a Q4. We don't know what it's going to look like. What should we be doing now, Nick, um, from, from your perspective? What's the advice in clients, your clients now, the over 100 clients now on, um, on how to prepare, on, on the preparedness for, for Q4? Um, because it's, it's almost, you know, um, it's a good time to start. Yeah, so this is the perfect time to test an offer. So we, 
we, we, nobody does this enough. And they think like, Oh, a big holiday is coming. Uh, what's our discount, right? That might not always be the best way to go. A site-wide isn't always the decision to make. So what we have coming up, I would look through the, you, we have Mother's Day coming up. I think it's different in the UK. You have graduation days coming up. Start thinking through what offer you can structure, whether it's a buy one, get one, whether it's spend X, get Y. These are the offers that we should be formulating and testing now when it's so cheap to get real understanding and learnings. Mm-hmm. So that way we can at least somehow build a model of what we could expect conversion rate wise and potential revenue for Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Makes so sense. I really, I really want my brands testing uh, what offer they can get up here. Second, your Clavio man said it. Mm-hmm. If you're not having an email pop or if you're not having any sort of nurturing flow, that is extremely important. We're acquiring some leads uh, and I don't know, again, I can't speak to the quality of them because it's very early and we've been only running for about a month and a half um, for as low as 45 cents to 35 cents in the States. How are you doing that? It's straight lead, uh, lead, gen, uh, lead gen opt-in form. On Facebook, not, not on, on site. On Facebook. The second test that we have going live is uh, just a landing page, just a straight Insta page for capturing email, which puts them into the same Clavio flow. So again, it isn't, as strategic and as perfect as I would want it to, but we know if we can amass this as, as cost effective, I'd be very shocked in our ability to not monetize. Would you do lead capture for like apparel? You know, would you, would you still run that? Um, would you run an in Facebook lead gen campaign um, for like an apparel brand for, for like a female fashion brand or is it for specific categories or specific niches? No, it is not for specific niches. I would bucket it. So we have, uh, we have a, we have a baby brand and we have a jewelry brand and we have a bathing suit brand, three different flows that we're running for the, for the, ba- for the baby suit, uh, for the bathing suit. Sorry. I almost said baby suit for the bathing suit brand. We're doing, uh, when, when the opportunity to be an ambassador. Okay. So if you can opt in to be an ambassador and then we'll communicate with you through that for the baby brand, we're doing uh, sign up to win uh, first year of child's clothes, which, is a huge offer, which is a very, very good offer. Are you using these emails and putting them into, um, you know, into audiences, into target audiences? Not yet. No, we are not. We're only running this just for the email because I don't want to spend money on it if I don't think it's quality. Okay. Okay. So how are you going to test if it's quality by, by um, from the flow, from the flow they get into and the conversion rates and then you benchmark it against, you know, standard um, metrics you see? Correct. We currently have a sixth email flow for both. And so okay. we're doing uh, info, Offer info offer okay. info and, if, and depending if they if they're taking the offer they're exiting out of that going in our post purchase flow and you're going broad in, in targeting to towards getting these um, the leads no good question we're now because th- the offer is so appealing and we want to try to do our best to not just get the sweepstakes folks we are going as niche and as targeted as possible okay. uh, going like our 1% lookalikes limited by like the interests that we want, excluding okay. all past purchasers specifically. Okay. 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 Makes sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. That's super interesting. And that's something, you know, I would love to test and the audience would love to test. Um, we'll give you feedback. Oh my we'll God. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Nice. Thanks, thanks for Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I, th- I think, I think that's, there's a, I think that's like the major, major question as in Q4 is makes or breaks a lot of businesses. And, you know, just that preparedness is, is like super, super important. Um, any other thing I want to talk about? Um, we've talked about for, tactics. We've talked about the e-commerce space. Um, for Q4, Kuno, I'll tell you this though, brother, this is what we're, we're winning as well for offers. Okay. 
before before you launch your offer, um, some people make this mistake. I think I have to caveat it. Never turn off the already existing creative that are evergreen. Even if your ads during a, an offer aren't communicating the offer, they still have the social proof. They're still driving your clicks. The page will do a lot of that selling. Interesting. When, when you're creating, yeah, we never turn it off. We just keep it going because then you have to turn it back on once the offer is done. So you don't, you don't, you don't cut the budgets down. You let those keep running as is. As is, yes. You yeah. have to let them run because okay. if, if they were performing before and then you put an offer on site, they should, if you, or unless you did something very, very wrong, continue to perform, if not perform better. Okay, makes sense. Because they're clicking I've off. seen that for like bottom of funnel where it really starts to, it actually performs better than any new bottom of funnel. This, I'm talking about like shopping campaigns where it's, mm. it actually, the older ones without any offer in there, actually perform much better. The ones with history, you know, the, the ones have been running for, for months or years, um, still perform better than the ones you've set up with the offer. Oh, I, fu- I fully agree with them because they have historical data. They have the social proof. We can go down the list of why we believe it, it would work. And then when you launch that offer, launch it in a dynamic creative test. So okay. say your offer goes live, uh, it's going live tomorrow. Build, because you don't know what combination of copy and creative is going to work. You just do not know. I, I don't run anything. I hardly run anything um, non-dynamic creative. I just go dynamic creative all through, you know, um, every, almost everything I do is dynamic creative apart from even bottom of funnel. You can, even with shopping, you can, you can tweak some settings to, to you, you can actually make it dynamic now. Um, but I, I just don't do much. That's not dynamic. I just trust the algorithm, which <laughs> I, 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 I should, <laughs> I'm going to be more like you. I'm going to be like, I, I, we don't do enough bottom of funnel. So that's a really big takeaway. Okay. Okay. Um, are you ready for, for our lightning round? Um, I'm going to ask you like five, six questions. And if you could use, use a single sentence to, to, to answer, um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be swell. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's 7:45. We are, I'm, I am in it. I'm okay, in it. Let's go. All right. Um, by the way, um, I appreciate you turning up for 6am this morning in, in LA to, to, to make this. What advice would you give to yourself five years ago? Pay for mentorship. Awesome. Okay. Very, very good one. Are you a morning person? Extremely, yes. What's your morning routine like? Two cups of coffee, Twitter, email, Facebook. Awesome. Okay. What two things can't you live without? Oh, geez. My French Bulldogs. Oh, bless them. <laughs> uh, how, how many have you got? I have two of them. Okay. All right. Boys, girls. And what's the second one? Shanice, my partner. Okay, all right. Bless her. Okay. What book are you currently reading? Uh, no book. I'm reading an article on the economy because I'm too ignorant to it. Okay. All right, cool. What's been your best mistake to date? By that, I mean a setback that's giving you biggest feedback. Oh, too short of uh, expecting things to happen too quickly. Not giving it myself enough time to let the scenario play out and jumping to conclusions. Nick, it's been an absolute pleasure having you. This has been one of the best conversations I've had in a while. Um, And you're you're more than open. And um, yeah, um, thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you for your time, brother. All right, cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of 2X E-Commerce. We encourage you to connect with our community of 2X E-Commerce listeners on our Facebook group, E-Commerce Growth Accelerator Mastermind. 
Just search for 2X e-commerce on Facebook to find it. Answer three questions and you'll be approved. Grab the show notes of this episode on our website, 2xecommerce.com. Finally, if you haven't already, give the show a review on your podcasting app. Catch you on the next show and keep growing.